life day, son. Welcome to the Geeks Room Podcast. Uh, I think it's number 11. It's been almost six months since the last one. Uh, this is a podcast where, I don't know, basically we only record when there's either Star Wars stuff or Game of Thrones stuff, and been hurting for Game of Thrones for a while, so I guess that kind of... We'll say it was a hiatus. It was planned. We wanted to come back to talk about Solo with you all. Uh, joining me today are Anthony. Hello. Ethan. Hey, what up, y'all? And for the first time ever, Scott. Oh, man. Hey, everybody. <laughs> wow, that was way more enthusiastic. <laughs> wow. And all... Uh, yeah, that I'm was, trying to, that was trying to put my best foot forward, guys. That seemed like a canned response, so I'm a little worried about that. That doesn't doesn't bode well for the future, but we'll see how it goes for the rest. We'll see. We'll see the rest of the cast. Um, so yeah, this is Scott's first time on Geekstrom. So hello, Scott. How are you? I'm good, fellas. How are you guys? I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> we just got Ethan out of a uh, post Windows update hell, so. He's, uh, yeah, I was touch and go there for a minute. Yeah, that's your He's hanging on by a thread. Uh, fun fact about Scott. Scott was actually on the first podcast that I ever did. Uh, we used to run one with the guys in the house that I lived in back in Plant City, Florida. And so Scott is one of the one of the foundational members of my first podcast. So I'm glad to have him back in the podcasting world. Well, thanks, yeah, Rick. Thanks back. for bringing me back. And, and maybe we'll reboot that podcast someday. Yes, so you need to uh, not talk as much shit about uh, women because I think we did that a lot, uh, and I was in <laughs> hey, poor taste. Fucking like twenty eighteen, you're gonna not do yep. that ever. We're gonna get right. me tooed. This, this was way before everyone got offended by everything. It was a much different, much simpler time. <laughs> we were also gigantic assholes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> talked out of our asses for for you know for <laughs> extended periods of time. So yeah, that would be something where if I listened to that now, I'd probably go, man. 100% cringeworthy. But we've all grown. And now we're here to talk to you about the most recent movie in the Star Wars universe, Solo. That's what grown-ups do. Talk about Star Wars. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, so, what did everyone think generally? And we'll start with uh, Ethan so he can make that joke again if he wants to. Uh, generally, is that a Star Wars character? It's not as good with that one. The other ones are better. <laughs> I, t- I took the fire out of that one for you. I'm yeah, sorry. You ruined the setup, man. Yeah, yeah generally, that's, that was an actual general. I was talking about uh, shitty olden days. <laughs> uh, anyway, generally, um, I liked it. I, uh, I was pleasantly surprised, I'd say. Um, I'm big into uh, having your expectations as low as possible for most right. movies. Um, right. And that really paid off this time because I was expecting pretty pretty garbage movie and uh, <laughs> wasn't really even going to watch it other than because you, you wanted to do this pod. So um, <laughs> with that with that coming into it, yeah, it was good. Okay, so so you you thought it was good and also a garbage movie? No, no, I expected it to be a garbage okay, movie. Okay, all right. I, I think the. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm getting crusty in my old age, but I expect most uh, most movies that play off my nerdy nostalgia to be bad now that right. I'm an old man. Um, but, you know, it, it, it held up. Uh, I guess I'll, we'll, we'll get into it more, but it was better than expected. 
Right. That's what I'll get. And um, from, I don't know, like uh, on a scale from person that's only seen the movies on like marathons on Spike TV to uh, <laughs> to camping out for Phantom Menace tickets um, on this on that scale, where, what kind of Star Wars fan would you call yourself? Um, I'd say. First of all, I do love those, those Spike TV marathons. <laughs> I do too. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> so, so I think everyone's a fan of that, um, especially in with the prequels, because it you get you see the prequels for the exact amount of time you need to before you want to go do something else. So giving it in those like <laughs> 15 to 20 minute chunks is almost the the perfect way to watch the prequels. Oh, because yeah, then you have the commercial breaks to like reevaluate your life. Exactly. <laughs> like, what am yeah, I doing? Like, Wasting you, the Sunday. You'll, like, start watching it, and, like, it'll be, like, the Phantom Menace, and, like, the droids will come, and you'll be like, oh, this is kind of cool, and then Jar Jar will show up, and you'll be like, oh, I have to go check the microwave and knock him back. <laughs> just stare at the microwave. That's more entertaining. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing even cooking. You're just looking at it. To answer your question, though, I, I, I would consider myself a Star Wars fan. Um, I'm not, not someone to camp out, but... um. Somewhere in the meaty middle between those two extremes, you said. The meaty middle. I like it. Yeah. Uh, what, about, what about you, Anthony? Uh, all those same questions. Um, okay, well, we'll start with I, too, was pleasantly surprised because mm-hmm. I didn't think it was going to be garbage because I'm like, oh, it's Star Wars. I'm going to like it no matter what. Like, I even like the Christmas special. So, hey, <laughs> okay. Like, acting like I don't have Christmas in the stars, like, Anyway, um, and I, like but I kind of yeah, I kind of thought it was gonna be bad because of like all the like hype surrounding it, like all the negative press it was getting. They're like, oh no, they have to do mm-hmm. reshoots and blah blah blah, and it turned out to not be terrible, and I ended up really walking away very happy with it. Yeah, and as for whether or not I'm a huge Star Wars fan, like. I kind of have a framed R two D two painting on my wall. So in my, I mean, my you said you like the Christmas special. I think that's like the highest level. Well, okay. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think right, that Scott. would surpass most like major fans, even. Like right. I, yeah. I went to Disney level. and had a custom made lightsaber when I was in high school. So. Oh man. Yeah. So basically, you're here. Ladies, hold, you're <laughs> hold yourselves. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a couch you can sleep in, but you know, straight, straight to, to the, the bedroom. bedroom. That's right, baby. <laughs> well, when they see that custom-made lightsaber, they're going straight to the bedroom, anyways. Right, oh, for sure. You hang it up over the bed, mood lighting. Just yeah. turn that on, turn the lights off, boom. Well, like I think it's because it's been like ten years, the battery kind of like flickers, so it's like. Oh, that's good. That's ambiance. Like, yeah, baby. Have an epileptic seizure in my bed. <laughs> that's, that's happening. And then you bring out the double-sided lightsaber for the for real fun. Oh no! You, you can you can give her the therm scissor punch then. Oh, I, I we'll, know. We'll get there. Now yeah. well, I get that. <laughs> All right, Scott. What about you? Uh, I'm in agreement with with these two. I I, I liked it overall. Uh, I can't say that I followed the hype too much uh, about the reshoots and and all that. You know, I. I saw when they changed directors. Uh, I like Ron Howard. I thought that was a good choice. Uh, and then I was thoroughly entertained by the movie. It was a it was a good action movie. You know, 
I think the problem is that people forget that you go to these movies just to escape reality for an hour, two hours, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and this just it was a good story. You were engaged because of Han Solo and Chewbacca. Uh, you know, it's these characters that you know and love and and, and really connect to. And and you know, the story was entertaining enough to keep you uh, following along. And, and you know, had a, my bucket of popcorn and watching the movie and and really enjoyed it. And there were some times where I was geeking out, like uh, when they saw right. the Falcon for the first time. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, where am I on the Star Wars fan spectrum? I can't mm-hmm. say that I've seen the Christmas special. Um, <laughs> Not many people have, to be honest. But, you know, I'm rocking my Jar Jar Binks uh, slippers right now. <laughs> oh, nice guy. Uh, no, I think the yeah, podcast is over. We're done. That's, that's I can't even totally imagine true. what those even look like. It's like, are, do, do you, are you coming out of the mouth of Jar Jar and he's, like, looking up to you with his soulless eyes? Like, how would those even be set up? I don't know. The, the head looks forward. Oh god! <laughs> I have, I have um, nightmares already. So that it was interesting that you that you brought up uh, Ron Howard there. Um, so I, I think most folks that like followed the hype, as it were, are aware that they originally had Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who uh, had done the the Lego Movie and Twenty One Jump Street, and they were hired to come in and make Solo, and then they got fired. Um, and then Ron Howard came in. And it's funny because Ron Howard's kind of been a a Lucasfilm adjacent director. Like he's, you know, he was originally, um, I think he was originally going to do one of the prequels, I believe, before George decided he was going to do it all himself. Oh, what a shame. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, so, and I mean, he did Willow. Everyone knows he did Willow. Um and he's just been kind of intertwined with both Lucas and Spielberg for a long time. Uh, so what? So what did you guys think about this being a Ron Howard film? Because I, I, you know, when Phil Lord and Chris Miller got fired, I wasn't too hung up on it, um, just because I, I felt like what it seemed like they felt like they were coming in to make a comedy. Um, which I think would have been fine, but I think the nature of the characters themselves is kind of comedic to begin with so leaning directly into comedy as a genre and trying to mix that in with like some star wars spices didn't seem tonally correct to me so what did you guys think about ron howard's approach to this movie well just just when you say some of the other films that they've done i kind of got the gut feeling that you know that doesn't sound right for this right Uh, sure you want some levity in there and 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 that's fine but it it Overall, it's not supposed to be a comedy. It's supposed to be more of an action-adventure, you know. Right. I, I don't want to say space opera, because this one's not supposed to follow in the... It's more like a Western, if you think about it, I think. Yeah. yeah I, I, someone, a review I read, wrote it up as a, a space cowboy movie, and that's exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. Even you had the train robbery. Right. Uh, taken directly from Westerns. Right. Uh, Ron Howard, you guys Ron Howard well, fans? It, it's funny that you say that uh, you read that it was going to be more comedic right? Because I, I read that it was going to be, like, darker. It was, like, too dark for Disney or too gritty. Interesting. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's, like, conflicting stories out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Whenever that happens, like, when they didn't, – the, didn't they do that with another Star Wars movie, too? They canned 
for a future one coming out they canned um some other young director uh yeah it was the that colin trevorrow guy was supposed to do um was it was it last jedi or was it the other one was it i think it's the next one right and he's the next one and he's that's the dude that is doing the new jurassic park movies so Mm. you know take take that how you will that's that's colin trevorrow the Um, new one as in next month yeah, and then and then the other one as well, uh, Jurassic World, and then whatever this one is called, whatever the colon is uh, on Jurassic World. <laughs> yeah, 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 that yeah. one. I just know it by like the tagline because it's like the park is gone, and I'm like that's right, not right. scary at all. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, they get rid of this park. <laughs> what we've been waiting for. Uh, well, I mean, I guess uh, when I hear stuff like that, like they're they're taking a direction like too extreme for Disney. That kind right. of makes makes me excited to see what they would have done with it because I think the the biggest complaint I have with this one and the other new batch of stars movies probably is that they are too safe, um, which obviously you understand because they're you know billion dollar uh, baby they got. Did you there, did you but... think that the last Jedi was too safe? Well, no, that's true. Um, I guess that's right, the only I... one that that kind of broke that mold a little bit. But then I got a huge backlash from the fans, so I guess right. It's, damned yeah, either right. way. And I think that backlash came because it wasn't safe enough. That right. it was so different than what preconceptions these people had uh, that they just now refused to see all Star Wars movies ever and which what hurt Solo at the box office. Right. You and think, I that, think that's what hurt it? Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> somewhat. I, well, I think it's part of it. Some of the backlash from Last Jedi. Yeah. Well, so without... You know, and this is kind of um, something that I wanted to bring up when we talked about the robot, the lady robot in this movie, um, and her uh, her characterization and everything. But I mean, so if you think about what Ethan was saying with there being kind of a safe zone where Star Wars operates, um, to which The Force Awaken was completely one hundred percent in the in the dead center of that safe zone um, i think that one had to be right and but you know even right. still you know with them ha- with it having a female lead and having a black lead and a latino lead and that being something that for whatever reason people were frustrated by and it still did gangbusters because overall the story itself and the approach to it was was super safe and then we got um rogue one after that which was still relatively safe um didn't do anything too crazy but you know ended up having you know might have made its money just off of that vader scene at the very end because people were like well i want to see vader murder people that's pretty cool um but then the last jedi comes out and is like hey you guys were complaining about how safe the force awakens was well guess what now this is happening and then people lost their shit and they're is something to be said possibly about the fact that all the people that lost their shit just refused to give any more of their money to Disney, Star Wars, whatever. Um, is that a bad thing? Yeah, I'm just going to say the fan base is garbage. Like, right. They're cool, but... Most large fan bases are. are just garbage. Like we, go, right, like, we go to the movies to have fun and see a fun movie... And that's what Solo is. It's a fun movie. And Solo also took a lot of risks, which I don't 
Like, I think Solo is kind of the perfect way of them playing it safe and giving us new things to, like, obsess over and right. spend money on in the future. I mean, isn't it isn't one of the biggest risks in Star Wars to cast somebody else as Han Solo? Yeah, which... That's pretty fucking risky, if you, yeah. ask, if you ask me. Yeah, so I would I say think, that's I think I mean, definitely the risky job, part. Too. That's what's weird, too. <laughs> oh, sorry, but... um. I feel like I don't know if it was necessarily the fan base like reaction to Last Jedi that is having such a effect on this movie's like box office returns as opening weekend. As much as I feel like it was like really poorly marketed. Oh, it was like, for sure. It seemed like they were really afraid that this new Han Solo kid like really sucked because the right. first like five trailers I saw like he didn't say a word. <laughs> he just <laughs> but he was fine. Yeah, shit. He, yeah, and like he was actually really. I thought he was like. He was good. It's a really no, hard thing fa- to do. Super fucking charming, one hundred percent. Yeah, um, I felt like Rogue One had a lot more uh, like build up and hype around it, but that might have right. also been because it was the first like non Star Wars Jedi movie. Correct. Yeah, it was. It was the yeah. first non. It was the first anthology film outside of the saga. Yeah. Whereas, um, like, so so it was new. Yeah, and Solo is not the first and also like i don't know i feel like maybe there's gonna be kind of like a star wars fatigue eventually i mean not with us it's like, whatever, but, <laughs> like <laughs> well, in general we'll, we'll like, get there that, that we're definitely gonna talk yeah. about that uh that, that's that's coming up that's a a big part of this uh podcast here but so we were all kind of orbiting around this idea that we we're keeping our expectations low um and whether it was like a personal choice or it's kind of manufactured by the lack of advertising and stuff that was attached to it. Um, the way, especially with the firing of the directors that we were talking about, the way that I kind of see it is they had the initial trailer. It was kind of was like a hit or miss um, a kind of feel for it. Um, it didn't really show enough of the movie to kind of get you hyped to see what direction they were going in. Uh, and then there was the reshoots and all that. And I think probably, like, maybe even as recently as, like, a month and a half ago or two, uh, once they started doing screenings and, like, the press tests and stuff like that, uh, they realized that they actually had a movie that was pretty decent and could do pretty well. And so started fucking scrambling to get all that shit out there. I mean, like, just from the uh, the half-baked Solo Cup tie-in alone... Um, where there was really nothing, That's it was a fully just like idea. you know, it was basically just they put the new Han Solo and Chewbacca on the bag, and that was it. Like the cups weren't any different or anything at all. I just think that they they ended up with a movie that actually tracked a little bit better than they had initially believed, and then were like, you know, got a bunch of money from Disney to say, hey, promote this shit now. So instead of getting like a a years long, every single billboard, every, you know, uh, Chiron on the bottom of any screen, you know, all of the late night shows or whatever for a year straight, like we've had with every other Star Wars movie that's come out since Disney purchased it. It was kind of like a six month here and there kind of thing. So it definitely didn't get the, the advertising bump that I think a lot of the other ones have had. I think that's the biggest effect that another much bigger one came out five months ago right right 
And I know that they, they messed around with the um, the release date on this one a lot. Um, you know, especially like its proximity to the Avengers movie coming out and stuff like that. So, you know, yeah. but well, so you know, do you think a lot of it's advertising? You know, you talked about a year long campaign. Do you think a lot of that was just overshadowed by Last Jedi coming out five six well, months ago? And so that, that those two timelines overlap, and if we're promoting one, it's going to be Last Jedi. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I think you know if they're going to choose, are we going to you know prop up anthology or are we going to prop up saga? Um, as long as we're still within like what is you know the overarching Skywalker saga, that that's still I mean that's what brings in the money. So they're going to go that route. Um, and as much as they'd like to use these anthology films to continue to launch other anthology films, they're still going to do them. Um, but when it comes to where they know that they're going to get their, you know, one and a half billion dollars for sure, they're going to promote the shit out of the saga, saga movies for sure. I don't, I don't really understand like release dates and like all the politics behind it, but I don't get why they didn't really wait till like July 4th weekend or right. something. Yeah. Right. Right. Cause like you said, we, we had Avengers, we had, yeah, we had Avengers, Deadpool two, all of which probably have a big crossover of fans. Oh yeah. For sure, and no one's trying to like spend you know fifty dollars in movies mm-hmm. in one month. Well, that's why you get movie uh, pass, Ethan. <laughs> okay, well, this that. this podcast brought to you by Movie Pass. Please <laughs> pay us give money. Us, give us that Movie Pass money, son. They have Ant Man and the Wasp scheduled for July Fourth, I believe. Uh, right, so uh-huh. that's Disney not wanting to step on themselves. Right, but oh, I honestly, I, I, I think um, to to Ethan's point. Why not just flip those two? Because I, uh, you know, the in this is going into dollars and cents, which I really don't want to talk about too much here. But Ant Man is one of the lower grossing movies in the MCU, so it only serves that their the sequels going to be at or lower. So why not put it in a Memorial Day weekend spot? Put it out there, see what it does, and then just kind of wash your hands of it, and then have the entire month of July. Well, actually. Ethan, you should know this. When does Incredibles come out? June fifteenth, baby. Yeah, so oh, fucking yeah. give give July to Star Wars. Let 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 them have it. But you know, there's a there's a history of all of the George Lucas, George, sorry, George Lucas directed Star Wars coming out around in May around his birthday because he's a fucking <laughs> you know <laughs> narcissist. But yeah, um, so I don't know if they were trying to kind of mimic that. I'm not sure, but it definitely seems like. From a marketing and a administrative standpoint, that this was kind of not handled the best, which is really weird considering that it's Disney. But well, who knows? It might also be because they want, like, this is going back to what we said earlier about Star Wars fatigue. Like, obviously, Episode Nine is going to be their biggest, like, oh yeah, of the bunch. So if there's if there's like a Star Wars movie like three months beforehand, people are I mean, they're going to go see it, you know, but they're going to be like, uh, no, nah, didn't one just come out? The casual fans are going to be like that anyway. Right. So they probably figure like, all right, let's build up hype on this shit. Right. And make our money because like, it's Disney and money. But <laughs> Well, well, Rogue oh. One did, did huge numbers like, you know, on Blu-ray release and everything. So I wouldn't be surprised that that's the same type of thing that happens with solo um but uh yeah what were you saying looking Scott? back 
Well, looking back, what was the time difference between Force Awakens and uh, Rogue, Rogue One? One? Rouge One. Um, I want to say that Rouge One was also a yeah. I think it was also a December release. I think. Yeah, yeah I think they were all years. Right. So yeah, I think yeah, this it, is the only one where they're out in the same year. I think. Or right. Within the same because I I know that order. with like the MCU, they've been definitely messing around with release windows and stuff like that so they're probably just doing the same thing with star wars to kind of you know figure out where they can drop stuff and you know maximize their profit or whatever but this is not a fucking money podcast so now we're <laughs> gonna actually talk about the movie good, good, um, money. good. um <laughs> so um we, it's kind of you know we're not to get into like a specific overview or anything but this but we we get a a young Han Solo on the streets of um, wait Corellia um, and he is with his girlfriend Kira who is played by the just effortless effortlessly lovely Amelia Clark oh. um, not enough can not enough can be said about. No. About yeah, brunette Amelia uh, Clark too. Yeah, shocking a a the, white the brunette best. woman in lead in a Star Wars movie. Like I'm just I I'm, I'm shocked. That's um, true. I never thought of that. Okay. <laughs> right, every single one. If you think about it, yeah. every single one. And it's like if you even look at the shades of the brown of their hair, it doesn't deviate that much. You know, it's really easy for people to go, huh? You know, that might be Princess Leia's daughter. Or a mother or aunt or some shit like that. Because it's like, yeah, they all look almost exactly the yeah, same. but don't you know by now there are no blondes in space, okay? That's true. There are no... <laughs> I, Wait, actually, I don't that's think... That's where we spies. draw the line. I don't, think, I don't think there are redheads in space either. It's like a science thing. Well, we'll get there. Beards don't grow in space. We'll get there. Oh, I'll um, fucking make sure that changes. Okay. No, no, no. Hey, listen. There, uh, this is canon. Uh, and this is ridiculous, but in Battlefront 2, in the story mode, Han Solo has a beard. Wow. I have Battlefront 2, and I never finished the campaign. It, so it tore, it's that. torn the fandom asunder, my friends. Bearded Han <laughs> is breaking hearts out there. Um, is it like old bearded Han or like young bearded he's, Han? He's like not too long after Return of the Jedi, so he's not super old but okay. it is in like Maz Maz's cantina or something like that. Sorry, we're getting we're getting far afield. Um so what did you guys think about them really pushing the imagery of the dice early on in this movie? Um well I'm just going to go ahead first. Um, well Take basically I don't know cuz there was like such heavy imagery of it in the last Jedi. Right. And because that was like literally like a week ago that the movie came out, I was kind of like, <laughs> oh, that again. All right. So like it didn't, it wasn't like an Easter egg or whatever, like is there. And I'm like, okay, that's what it is. But there was like a lot of speculation when the movie first came out or was like first announced. They're like, oh, the, the dice are going to belong to like Woody Harrelson's character or something. Right. So I'm kind of glad that everyone yet again was wrong. Yeah, and that's pretty just, much all I have to say about the dice. So. Right, it just so they they are uh, prop originally from you know 
Star Wars the motion picture. Um, but they were kind of like a just a throwaway thing, like just kind of just a little bit of flair. Um, and then Han puts them back in the Falcon in a deleted scene from The Force Awakens, so they don't even they don't even like really show up like in that movie. And then they kind of, you know, made it more powerful between Luke and Leia in The Last Jedi. But, dude, they really leaned into it. Um, so much so that I thought that they were going to, like, actually have a conversation about what the dice meant. But really, it was just, like... It's a good luck charm. Right. It's, you know, because, like, they even... Even one of the shots when they were having, like, the getaway, like, the chase scene, was of just the dice going back and forth. And I was just like... Is this a stylistic choice, or they really want us to remember that these dice are supposed to mean something, and they just kind of changed hand a couple times, and that's about it? I kind of like that it's not explained, though. Oh, yeah, I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. It just felt like they were putting us in the mindset to be like, hey, this is going to get explained. So then when they did, I was just like, hmm, it was a little strange that they had that there the whole time. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, like I can't say that I remember the dice before uh, Last Jedi, even. Right. I mean, I'm sure, you know, they might have been in the cockpit or whatever. That's cool. That's great. But I, I don't remember seeing them. It's not something that I noticed before. And now, like you said, it's kind of shoved down your throat a little bit. Okay, it's cool. Just, He's got these dice. Right. It was just like a like a nerdy feather to have in your cap. Like, you know, knowing that, know that uh, you know, the whole parsec being distance versus time, which we'll get into as well. Um, but yeah, just kind of, kind of a silly thing. Um, yeah, I don't the like DL forty four. Heath, you don't like the dice? No, mainly because, like you're saying, I feel like it's, it's kind of a thing that's been blown out of proportion, right? Like, like you're saying, I'm sure it was just like some prop guy put it up there and like no one gave a shit. But now right. that like we're in full fan service mode with these movies. It's like mm-hmm. every everything. I mean, that's what the entire solo movie is like: giving way more backstory to something that no one asked for, <laughs> right? But everyone kind of, I guess, recognizes. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be fine with the uh, never seeing those dice again. Yeah, it was like the director. Like it was like they like literally were like, "Oh, look, a shiny toy." Like, do you remember well, this shiny toy from? Like, right. Yeah, they're definitely so, selling those, right? Yeah. Exactly. Right. You know, if it's not on Etsy, it's going to be, you know, you can purchase them, you know, monogrammed at Disney or something oh, like that. Oh, I mean, that. I've already got them back ordered, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of well, want to. So, I mean, we, we live in an age where, like, one of the biggest selling books around the time that these movies comes out are the visual dictionaries for them, uh, where they go into excruciating detail about every single prop and every single person. Um, you know, so much so that. I saw today that the uh, the desk that Paul Bettany's character Dryden, I think, um, has in his office is a, a piece of like uh, what's the uh, what's the rocks that come out of volcanoes? Obsidian? Volcanic rocks. Thanks, thanks, Ethan. Could be obsidian. <laughs> obsidian, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I think that's that belonged to Exar Kun, which was a Sith planet or some shit like that that got removed when the eu got removed so people were losing their minds that xr coon has been put back into canon it's just like man i love star wars but y'all are a bunch of fucking nerds when the <laughs> eu got removed they've even got a brexit in there <laughs> that's, that's what i was thinking too man i mean the like extended universe guys come on 
so yeah, hey, let's. Uh, so what do we have as far as things that got explained that didn't need to be explained? We got Han's gun, which was apparently like some kind of rifle at some point, but was uh, disassembled to be just a blaster. Um, I guess which was like fine. the. Yeah, it, they, they didn't, didn't, they didn't focus lean on into, it too much. Yeah, yeah, they didn't lean into it too much. So I was cool with that. Um, was like the, maybe the his life, hit. the life debt when he when he frees the beast. Well, the, I was gonna life. I was gonna build to Chewie, but if we're going to Chewie, that's fine. Oh, I guess so, Chewie deserves well, yeah, a I mean, backstory, though. Come on, Scott, he's he not the he's not the beast. He's Chewbacca. <laughs> when, when they said throw him to the beast, you know, I'm I'm getting excited and I'm hitting my wife on the shoulders. It's like it's gonna be Chewie. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, good call. I was, I was, I was, uh, I was hoping for a second that it was going to be a rancor. That's what I thought. Um, I was like, oh, maybe, right, maybe think, they're going to yeah. fake us out. Yeah, but as soon as, as soon as they started filming it, the way they were filming it, I'm like, oh, it's definitely going to be Chewie, um, who was super mm-hmm. gross, by the way. Let's let's talk about how gross Chewie was, all muddy and <laughs> stuff. Poor Dude, guy. look, he wrecked. didn't have his normal shampoo and conditioner. He does. He, he definitely be- wasn't doing the Farrah Fawcett. He didn't have that whole procedure going on like he does in all the rest of the movies. As soon as they showered together, it was fine. <laughs> Scott, you got you got to bury That's the lead, man. You got to give us time to get there. <laughs> oh, we're there. Uh, well, I just wanted to see what I've you guys there. thought about what is one of the more divisive things that I've seen online. The uh, the Han actually speaking uh, Wookish. How is to that Chewie? divisive? Oh, because you know, and anytime. People, anytime anyone uh, does anything, it's divisive nowadays. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> it's the most divisive mean, like, franchise. But I mean, right. like, one of the longest running gags is like, oh, no one speaks like Wookiee. And it's like, alright, well, now he does. Like, who fucking cares? Like, and what's yeah. great is he explains it. He's like, I just kind of understand it. You know, it's like, um, sometimes I hear people trying to speak Spanish to other people out in the world. Uh, it's super basic, and it's like the the minimum amount of words possible to try and get a point across. And um, mm-hmm. poor Chewie, that's what he had to deal with trying to figure out how to break out of that cage. Well, like, it's probably the elective that Han took while Thor was was taking Groot. Yes, yes, <laughs> they 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 had two, uh, you know, alien as a second language jokes from the Disney universe uh, within months of each other. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were gonna do it um, where he was just kind of accidentally gargling, and that like formed words. <laughs> I, I preemptively got really mad. He he was like uh, being choked, and the sounds that were coming out of him as he was being choked was wookish. Yeah, I mean, like I don't know if that's what they were trying to do, but that's kind of like what it started off as. Like he's getting right. squished into the mud, right? And I was like, hey, it's I was really okay stupid. with it. I mean. Y- you know that they already understand each other um, and can can communicate that way. I, I viewed it as a way of him uh, earning some of uh, Chewie's trust, right? Uh, that you know, hey, maybe this, maybe I shouldn't eat this guy or whatever Chewie was going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, oh, he can speak Wookish and, and he's got a plan to help us escape. All right, right. Let's see where it goes. I mean, that's and, kind of uh, similar to what the great Nelson Mandela once said, where if you speak, uh, if you both speak one language, that's one thing. But if you go the extra mile and speak another man's language, that's the real way to his heart. 
And I think Nelson Mandela pretty much had a lot to do with Star Wars. Right. Okay. Right. Sure. It, Nelson Mandela was actually the uh, the uh, motivation for uh, Lando Calrissian. Uh, you know. Oh, what a nice there, segue. Yeah. Um, but wait, but, before before we segue. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Based on that Nelson Mandela point, it kind of retroactive, retroactively makes Han look like a real asshole that he never speaks Wookiee ever again. Well, <laughs> poor Chewie do double work. The guy's got so to listen I, I to English. So I thought that sp- like whatever the way that they handled um, that by him basically saying, "Listen, I know enough to understand what you're saying, uh, but not enough to speak to you the entire time. So let's get our shit, let's get our asses out of this cage." And then I, we don't ever have to worry about me speaking Wookish to you ever again. Um, and that basically was the entirety of their relationship for the rest of time. Um, so, and Chewie has no problem understanding, apparently. So, right? I'm okay oh, because he's 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 obviously the more intelligent of the two. I mean, if we're being honest about it, like I don't think that's ever really been in doubt. But I think this movie really showed who's the brains of the operation, and, and it's always been Chewbacca. I did love Chewie. I mean, I already loved Chewie, but uh, I did love him even more after watching this movie. It was actually my favorite part of the movie, and the thing that felt the most like true to Star Wars was their relationship and the way that they bounced off each other. And the majority of the comedy that was actually good in this movie came from their interactions. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how you guys felt about it, but I really loved all the Han and Chewie stuff. Uh, except for the uh, stupid line where he's like, Chewbacca, that's too long to say. I'll have to right. think of a nickname. I'm never going to say that again. <laughs> it's like one more syllable, you asshole. I'm never going to say your name. Right. It's just like, that was one of the ones where it's like, we didn't need that. We don't need to know why you called him Chewy because everyone calls everyone nicknames, so who cares? Yeah, that was really weird. I don't know why they uh, did that. S- speaking of names and divisiveness... Ooh. Uh, <laughs> we found yeah. out why Han Solo okay. was called Han Solo. Okay, you stuck the landing on that one. Yeah, which didn't need to be explained, but I explained yeah, it. again. Well, you I did liked like that it? whole scene. Uh, I I did not. I didn't like the first like twenty minutes of the movie. <laughs> I <laughs> took a while to pick up steam for me. In fact, I was a little annoyed how. Because, like, I kind of liked everything that was going up when, uh, like, all the build-up, like, oh, Han is running away from space slug grandma lady. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then they're like, oh, let's go to the, um, like, let's, like, get out of here. I was like, oh, this is kind of, like, a tense moment. Like, what's going to happen, even though we know what happens? And, right. um, and then, you know, just going into, like, that station and seeing, like, all the Imperial, like, World War One style propaganda Ooh, and the the Imperial March, but in a major key instead of yeah. a minor key. And that I was, was pretty like, cool. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is great. That was like, weird, I, like, though. This is a side of the Star Wars that we don't really see. And I was super into that. And I'm like, oh, more of this, please. And then it goes three years later. And I'm like, oh, what the fuck? All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, Heath, that, you, you yeah. didn't like the, uh, the major key Imperial March? Well, that's kind of like... That's breaking all sorts of walls there, right? Oh, it 100% is. Like, that, that really... whole thing was like, wait, yeah. so they hear that music when they're walking around? <laughs> and then they, they decided that, ooh, it sounds too mean. We need to make it sound positive. So it's whatever. <laughs> but I just thought it was kind of like, 
it was, you know, the same thing as let's disassemble this gun and throw it to Han and oh look, it's his blaster that he's had for his entire life. It was just kind of like a like a fan servicey thing, but also something that is like a wink and a nod to people that are a little bit more fans than other folks. You know, and that was like, you know, that's what all these movies are especially these anthology ones that are about characters that we all already know. They're always gonna be filled with those types of things. Um, so I just thought that it was to me it was funny. Like I got I chuckled at it when I heard it. I was like, did they really shift it into a major key to make it sound like, oh look, we're the good guys? You know, the, the empire is is what everyone should be on our side. Yay! I thought that was super hilarious. <laughs> that yeah, I mean the whole scene it seemed like kind of space ballsy to me. <laughs> like, like they were all just gonna look at the camera at one point and be like, eh, right? Get it? Solo. Combing the desert, huh? Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> um, to to Anthony's point, though, I did, I like I didn't like the beginning because it felt too rushed to me. Mm-hmm. But obviously, because they have to, you know, get to the rest of the movie. But right. I do like the idea of like exploring the uh, like military aspect of the empire and like the on the ground sure. troops, which all right. these movies have done a lot better. Um, like kind of putting some humanity into the empire and the stormtroopers and stuff like that right right so i i would have liked more of that obviously it would have been been like a three-hour movie but what are you gonna do right yeah and uh, going along with the propaganda it was cool to see him just drop right into a, a trench style warfare right uh you know reminiscent of of world war one world war two uh, also, if you notice the um, the little goggles that he was wearing are the same goggles that Ray wears in the Force Awakens early on. So you know that's another wow. little another Good little on. nod there. Yeah, my friend uh, when we had gone to see her, she pointed that out, and I'm like, oh, oh yeah. I thought that, I thought that was pretty neat. Um, I and missed, in the I that one. in the trans warfare, after he is introduced to the Beast, we meet the the gang. Uh, Woody Harrelson and Thandie mm-hmm. Newton and John Favreau as some kind of weird alien. Oh, that's who that was. Yeah. Okay, um, I knew he sounded familiar, but I didn't care enough to look him up. Yeah, old Johnny Favs, old John Favreau, who will be uh, boy, um, doing a TV show for Star Wars in the uh, upcoming years. So, which we'll Ooh. talk about later. Don't don't get too excited about it. We'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Um, but yeah, they uh, they got Chewy, you got a Chewy, you got a Han, you got a Woody Harrelson, you got a Thandy, and an alien, and they pull off the train heist, or they try to. Um, and you know, it kind of, that's just where we're starting to form the basis of the Han that we know, like, you know, Gruff and, oh, do you got a girl, and blah, 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 like all the kind of, you know, western-y, bank robbery-style shtick that you expect from stuff like this so what did you guys think about Woody Harrelson's crew and how they kind of at you know at different parts formed the basis for what would would essentially eventually become the personality of Han Solo because they seemed a little bit throwaway to me in all honesty yeah what a friggin waste of uh, Tandy Newton yeah absolutely I was super bummed at how little she was used the best part of uh I liked that it was quick though what? Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Why can't okay. Sandy do it if you're going to kill him in five minutes? No, I'm hot takes. I mean, like... <laughs> Get your hot what, takes What here. I mean is, like, I thought it was... Like, they were good for what they were. 
like, I mean, I didn't yes. think, okay. So, like, I guess what I was thinking is they're either going to kill them off or they're going to make them, like, have their own canon, like, blah, 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 which the sh- movie eventually did that with other things, but we won't get to that yet. Um, but I think, like, they had just enough screen time so that it was, like, you didn't want to see them go away. Right. But also, you were kind of like, all right, let's get this shit going. <laughs> well, and I think when you're introduced to that crew, you kind of see the writing on the wall already. You know, oh, Hans is supposed to be this great pilot. Oh, we already have a great pilot? Cool. Uh, so you kind of knew that, oh, something's going to happen and Hans at least have this. At least the alien was going to die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> at, right, yeah. I and then... That. I guess to give Woody Harrelson's character some of the same motivations, maybe that's why uh, they decided to sacrifice her so early. Um, Which is called fridging, but, by the way. Deadpool's writers got in a lot of trouble for fridging a lot of their female characters. Um, so that's a little that bit mean? of a bummer. just means that you basically kill off a, a female lead early on in the movie to... As solely as motivation for a male character. Mm, yes, yeah. And then bring her back via time travel. <laughs> well, yeah, credits. that's that's how that's how Deadpool handled it. Um, but yeah. Uh, well, and no, I mean, I think that, like, I guess I get that as a as a tactic, but right. they didn't even do that. Like, they die. He puts up a little makeshift funeral thing, and like he doesn't even really care. <laughs> Right. I don't know. It didn't punches, seem to punches affect Han his in the face and then and then apologizes for punching him in the face like 3 minutes later. Yeah, and then they're like buddies again and I right. think one more time I think Tandy Newton's character's name is mentioned but right. It really has no effect on anything. Right. Right. Because they're men and they they're filled with testosterone and then they move on. But it's also whatever. like the nature of the business that they're in. Right. Right, yeah, I which, get, they, which they it, talk it, about, like, you know, that this life, once you're in this life, there's no way out and everything, which I thought was kind of an interesting way to frame this whole, you know, subsect, you know, they're not empire, they're not rebellion, they're, you know, scoundrels and whatnot. But it always seems really interesting to me that it that they were trying to, you know, exist outside of that binary world, you know, kind of trying to be like, if you're this, you're, you're neither of those other things, which it was just kind of silly because it seems like anyone can be whatever they want at all times but you know if you're if you're a bad guy if you do this hustle with us you're gonna be a hustle forever you can't once you hustle you can't unhustle yeah no i I guess if you're gonna do it that way and like kill off the female characters just for the the male uh backstory i don't know like make it make it count show me some tears from brady harrelson right it's awesome um, but but the train sequence was pretty cool i i like the train sequence yeah i thought it was shot really well i thought that um you know it, it did have enough of uh enough tension in it to make it believable you know where it wasn't <laughs> right. just like it, a it, go it ahead it felt like the stakes were pretty high yeah well and, and they only and... got higher at the end which was really i i like something like that where it's like oh bummer we didn't get the score and it's like no now we're all gonna get murdered it's like wait you didn't tell me about yeah. the murder stuff beforehand i didn't know any of right. that shit and I, I did like how they kind of 
how they didn't succeed. Right. I, don't know, I thought they were going to pull out some crap where he like does a barrel roll and then everything's okay. <laughs> right, right. Where it's like, yeah, remember he's a really good pilot? Well, guess what? Here it is. Which I guess him not crashing was still some good piloting, but, you know, overall, I'm glad that he didn't, like like you said, you know, like, you know, Tokyo Drift in the air or something like that and save everything. <laughs> um, But they also kind of doubled down on the... Uh, they never really went directly into the whole life debt thing that Chewie has with Han or whatever. That's always been kind of the the fan story for why Chewie hangs out with Han at all. But, you know, he already got him out of the cage, but it was kind of like a mutual escape, so there wasn't, like, uh, any reason for him to stay then. But then, you know, he saves him from dying on the train, so it's like, okay, maybe that's why they hang out. Besides the fact, you know, it's like, Maybe people are just friends and they hang out because they're friends, not because some fucking life dead or whatever. It was a little weak, though. Oh, yeah. Like, him saving his life. Because it's like Chewie's hanging off. And it's like, I mean, we've shown how strong Chewie is. Like, he could definitely, right. like, pull up himself. <laughs> right. And, like, do some cool flips and stuff. But, um, <laughs> whatever. I guess it's fine. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that leads to, like... um. Han and Chewie and fuck Woody Harrelson's character. Yeah, uh, he made a big impact on me. Obviously, <laughs> uh, them going to uh, meet the Vision um, <laughs> and talk to the to the Vision about how they lost Chaucer. all his money, <laughs> right? Or um, his best role. Uh, fuck, I can't remember. No, yeah, that's that's Chaucer's Chaucer's best role. Chaucer one's the best. You're right. You're right. Um, and who do we meet? Anthony, you wanna you wanna take it from here? Oh, gonna, Amelia. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we already, we already uh, met Amelia. <laughs> we re meet her with a really uh, really uh, alluring dress. Oh. Yeah, she's she's looking, easy there. <laughs> she's looking mighty fine in that dress that she's wearing. Yeah, that's one way of putting it together. It. I need a break. I'll be back. <laughs> You um, but yeah, she, she's that whole sequence with kind of like revealing, bringing her and Han back together, and then the, um, you know, the kind of hacky thing that people say when when they meet someone after a while. It's like, oh, I'm not the same person. You don't know what I've done, but then you never say what you've done, so it's super mysterious or whatever. They go through all that, but um, essentially, it's like, yo. All that stuff you were supposed to get off that train didn't work out. I'm going to have to kill you. And then we kind of see Han be the Han that we know for the first time. So what did you guys think about that whole sequence where they were coming up with a plan on the fly? Um, I just am interested because the Paul Bettany character was originally cast as Michael K. Williams. Right, right. And I wonder how that would have played out. I really wonder if the character was the same or if they had to completely rewrite him right. for Paul Bettany. Cause that character seemed very much written for Paul Bettany. Sure. For sure. So I really wonder what Michael K would have brought to it. Uh, Cause so that's, that's it. <laughs> My, Michael K has a kind of a steely demeanor. Um, so I could see him being more like, you know, Omar and the wire or something like that. <laughs> uh, when it yeah. comes to his approach but you know, Paul Bettany plays unhinged, 
uh, quite well. A little, little slimier too. Right. Which I mean so, fits, but I that's why I wonder like they they must have rewritten that character because it doesn't right. seem like Michael K could have played that same exact character. Right. I think Maybe he could. Um, he's he's great. I think he was great, and I think it's also worth noting that that whole scene, not just because Amelia, it's Amelia, but <laughs> like that whole scene is like the whole aesthetic of it, and like how it, it was kind of like a smooth like jazz club. And mm-hmm. I felt like that's what a lot of the scenes, like, in the higher-end areas of the other movies were going for. Right. Like, the casino, the casino from... Yeah. yeah, that should have been... Bite. Yeah, Canto yeah. Bite should have been, like, Space Yacht. And, yeah. um, like, everything in the You're prequels right. should have been kind of like that. Like, that similar right. mood. It was, like, elegant and classy, and it wasn't, like... You didn't have stupid gerbil people playing the fucking flute or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Like CGI things with 800 eyes. Like, it was cool. Yeah, the, all the you gotta do is put like a thing. weird, weird, um, like jello monster in a can and let him <laughs> sing a duet with a lady with a voice box. Yeah, don't. I mean, let's not, let's not go there. <laughs> it was Crag, wasn't it? Yeah. Crang. Uh, Crang. <laughs> is it Crang? I think, I think it's Crang. I think it's Crang. Yeah, Crang yeah. T. Nelson. Yeah. <laughs> Crang T. Oh yes, God. there you go. Perfect. Um, but yeah, so they concoct this plan ad hoc, like on the fly, to go to Kessel, which is another, you know, like nod to the spice mines of Kessel that uh, C-3PO is worried that they're going to be sent to to work labor or whatever um, to get some, I don't know, some super fuel or hyper fuel or whatever they call it, uh, in its in, in its raw state, and then transport it back to where Paul Bettany's Dryden character is, um, which is basically an impossible task, which will probably die. So it's one of those like, hey, uh, best case scenario, you guys get back. Um, I don't have to kill you. We all get paid. Everything's fine. Worst case scenario, you die anyway. So I don't have to actually do any extra work. So you know, it's kind of a a standard motivation, but what it does do is bring us to Lando Calrissian, played by one Donald Glover, Don Glover, as I like to call him. And um, yeah, what do you guys think about old Donald as uh, as Lando? Old Donnie. Uh, Scott, you go first on this one. Yeah, Scott. You Sorry, start. Ethan. No, I usually start. Sure. Sure. Um. This was one aspect that I wasn't thrilled about. You know, Ooh, I, I like Don Lover. All right, uh, this is gonna this is fighting. What? <laughs> Let him cook. Let him can, cook. Let him yeah. cook. You guys can throw down all you want. Uh, you know, we we kind of see land. We see Lando in 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 the original trilogy. He is kind of a scoundrel. He sells out Han Solo. He's doing uh, anything he can to get by. He he does the same thing here, cheating in cards. He, He's got and, his own problems. Okay. I, Those... Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, I, I wasn't thrilled with with the portrayal, but you know, I, I thought it was I thought it was okay. Um, I don't know. It's just not how I pictured a younger Lando to be. I don't know exactly what I pictured, but <laughs> th- that wasn't maybe necessarily it. Yeah, your opinion is wrong unless you have proof. <laughs> okay, noted. I'll give um, wrong in general. 
I'll give uh, uh, Eth. Are you somewhere in between uh, that feeling and an ultimate love for this portrayal? <laughs> well, but yeah. Before I give my opinion, I'll give um, from our listener out there, Jared. Oh God, who, who couldn't go. make it? His take was they shouldn't have turned Lando into Zap Brannigan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> from Futurama. Uh, I wish classic, I would have thought of that. That's a good. That's a good hot classic take, Jared. Classic yeah, that's, Jared. that's that's a good line. Um, as we were talking about before with our expectations coming into the movie, uh, the only real interest I had was to see Don Glover's take as Billy D. Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, but after seeing it, like, I, I mean, I expected him to be like head and shoulders above everybody else. Right. Especially the guy, whoever, whatever the guy that played Han. Alden. Like, that guy looks like Aaron Aaron Reich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Um, but... After seeing it, he was kind of like more on par with everybody else, right? So I guess maybe in that regard, somewhat of a disappointment. Um, mm. I did, I did really enjoy that he. Uh, I don't know if it's because of the reshoots or not, but he kept fluctuating between doing like a a parody impression of Billy D. Williams right. and then like his own voice, right? That was kind of hung hung me up a little bit. Uh, beyond <laughs> that, no, he was. I mean. He's good. Um, I, I mean, I do love Donald Glover, so right. it's hard to get beyond that. But he wasn't as great as I expected, I guess I'll say. Right. I did like the capes. Capes, capes are good. Capes are excellent. He had a double cape situation at one point, which I thought was pretty. That's a baller move, man. Two capes. Uh, Two cape, the right, facial Ant. hair. Great facial hair. Uh, oh, so good. All right, Ant, you're up. was on point. Oh, I, thought, I thought it was excellent. And, like, I thought his impression was pretty spot on for the most part like when he was doing uh that scene where he was like doing his like the calrissian chronicles and i'm like oh yeah (laughs) his voice is like his voice is like perfect and i was like okay that's pretty good yeah yeah that was that was that was funny like no and he Um, had like the mannerisms and the swagger and everything like that that i would expect from a young lando right i would watch more episodes of the calrissian chronicles yeah i think we all would that would yeah, be a, like a really, really awesome web series or something like that. <laughs> um, so it's in. You guys all kind of touched on something that I thought was was pretty interesting about the the portrayal is that it did really fluctuate between um, Donald Glover doing an impression of Billy D. Williams doing Lando Calrissian and Donald Glover doing his version of Lando Calrissian. Um, so much so that, like, if you've watched, like, Community or Atlanta or anything like that, that Donald Glover has some Donald Glover-isms that are pretty consistent in anything that any time that he's ever been on film. Um, and those kind of leaked in to the movie a bit. And to me, those were the spots where I felt like I was getting the most out of him. Because, like, there were the scenes, like, especially at the card table... Um, and when he's having the conversation with Beckett, where he's saying that you're going to take another 5% off of his earnings by taking the, like, whatever was essentially the boot off the Millennium Falcon. Um, and he goes, ah, that's outrageous. I accept, um, stuff like that. Like the the straight up Landoisms I thought were, were pretty good, but when he was just his version of Lando, I thought it was, was more impressive. I, I enjoyed that more. Yeah, I guess I, w- I wish he had just stuck to one or the other. 
Right, right. And I, I also wonder how much that was affected by the reshoots. So, you know, it's one of those things that's kind of like what could have been or what was or whatever. So just a kind of an interesting thing to think about. But I still think overall it was pretty good. And I would uh, I would love to see some more uh, Donald Lando. And and maybe that was some of my problem with it, that he was doing an impression of of uh, Billy D. But, yeah, I don't know. I that, that was one of the few things that I wasn't over, overly impressed with. Right. I mean, if if trying to portray young Harrison Ford is an impossible task, trying to portray young Billy D. Williams right. is like insane. Right, right, right. Because that's a like Han is much more of like a like an idea. You know, it's like his approach to it is what you're looking for. Because otherwise, you have to be Harrison Ford, who is just Harrison Ford is just Harrison like he's Harrison Ford is Harrison Ford in every single movie he's ever been in like there's not a lot of range there it's just in an enjoyable range to be in for the most part um but at least Billy D when he was like you know basically Billy D has only been Lando three times in his life uh in Empire in Return of the Jedi and then in the Colt 45 commercials <laughs> Um, so like that kind of real smooth huckster, you know, like that, right, exactly. You know, it's just like that, that's good. Um, so, but that seems like an even smaller needle to thread, but you know, overall I I liked it. Well, I think on the flip side of that, that credit should be given to the, the Han actor, whatever you guys said his name was, it didn't seem like he was. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It didn't seem like he was trying too hard to to imitate or, right. or to be some something else. It it's kind of seemed like a more natural, right, uh, a yeah. performance from him. Right, and I think that you know that I think it bodes well that they decided to place this movie where it was because it really was like a a pre. Han Solo that we were kind of being introduced to. So a lot of his... We were watching what would eventually become the majority of his personality be formed. So it wasn't like we needed to see an exact replication of Han Solo that we saw in Star Wars The Motion Picture. Um, That's true. He started... He did kind of start with a, a blank slate. Right. Whereas with Lando, like, you know, the first thing we heard from Kira was all the shit about Lando. You know, like, Lando was the Lando already. So the Lando that we had to get in this movie was a lot more close to the Lando that we were going to see in, like, Empire Strikes Back. So, you know, I think with the degree of difficulty there was was a little bit higher for Donald Glover. But in all honesty, like like Ethan was saying, like, he... I, it, you could it could be argued that he is the most talented person in this movie, um, just overall. So maybe from yeah. an acting standpoint, that can be debated. But as a person in the world, Donald Glover was the most talented person in this movie. Oh, for sure. So, right. Um, but uh, all that being said, that leads us into seeing the Falcon for the first time. And I, I got to be honest, guys, like I had the same kind of reaction as uh, Alden the young Han Solo did uh, to seeing it for the first time. Like, I don't know. There's just something about that ship. It just, I just don't, right. It's, I I just don't, I don't know what it is. Like that might just be the ultimate nostalgia thing going on, but like, doesn't matter. 
interior, exterior, you know, brand new, all beat up, underneath a tarp on G- on um, Jakku. I, I don't care. Like anytime I see the Falcon, it's just it's just shivers. I, I don't I don't know. It's just great. It's just just uh, the best. I was there with you on this one when when he, when they walk up to it. Yeah, I'm kind of geeking out in the theater too, uh, and. Uh, I guess it's the same kind of thing. It's nostalgia or, or just, I don't know, being so excited for it. Right. Uh, the, the scene where they first see it. And then when he first sits in the, in the pilot seat, whatever. Cockpit. Right. It is cool to see like the, uh, like the clean ex- interior too. Right. Right. Brand they like, open up the floorboards and I'm like, Oh, the floorboards open. Smuggling. We're <laughs> smuggling guys. Oh, it was so good. I'm like how adorable. Um, but yeah, that, that, whew. You did, were you saying you got choked up, Ethan? No. <laughs> I mean, he I did. couldn't hear. It. We we were well, we were like uh, talking over each other for a few seconds, and I'm like, "Is he saying that he got choked up?" No, uh, I will say, when they showed it, I saw the movie with my wife, who couldn't really give two shits about Star Wars. Right. Um, <laughs> so, like, whenever they would do like kind of the like the fan servicey stuff. Right, I would we kind of like ironically be like, "Oh, there's the Millennium Falcon," <laughs> and uh, she was being very ironic. But part of me was like, "Man, eh, no, put a smile on my face." Right, can't right. deny it. Yeah, as ironic as I want to be. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hipster, <laughs> yeah, Star Wars hipster. Um, but yeah, so the the uh, the robot L three three seven Lando's, um, I guess, essentially. It's co-pilot slash sex robot, I guess. Hey. <laughs> Emotional Listen, support robot. She's <laughs> fucking free and consenting. Right. That's your um, thing. We don't right. know what kind of ports she has. I guess she, she has at least one that works. Um, it's very... It was an interesting take. It was a funny thing considering that, you know, these are still essentially children's movies. Um... So for them to even kind of broach that topic, I thought was uh, pretty awesome because I was not, it, you know, because they there there had been some stuff that leaked out about, you know, Lando Calrissian being pansexual, uh, which I think like most people assume that he had sex with pans, um, <laughs> but yes, then I thought he was only into pots. Right. <laughs> well, she does have more of a pot shaped head, so it's as possible. Um, but what was interesting is that as much as there was kind of a sexual undertone at the very least to her existence, uh, her whole shtick was like the liberation of robots, droids, as it were. The robots. So, so it's kind of it's kind of silly, um, but really kind of a an interesting stance to take, uh, especially considering that people have this. Uh, this hot take, this constant hot take that Star Wars somehow only uh, is for social justice warriors now. So the robot being a robot liberator was somehow like waving a flag for, you know, the left or something like that. So I thought that was kind of, uh, I didn't think anything of it until I saw all that shit on the internet afterwards. Um, So what did you guys think about that characterization overall? I was worried at first because <laughs> I alright well first of all it's 2018 and like L337 
I was like, oh. Uh, is, I was like, this is what we're doing. All right. Because, like, it's not a Star right, yeah. Wars. Yeah, it's not okay. a Star Wars movie without a fucking sarcastic robot. Right. But, yeah. and then when she showed up and she was like, what are you doing? Like, you're free. You have your own. And I'm like, oh, God, are they making fun of people that, like, care about other people? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then it turned out she was great. And she was like,. Right. And I was like, I've never identified with another robot more. And then she died, and I was like, okay, another I still robot. identify with her. Do you hear that too, Ethan? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's uh, insinuating that you yourself are a robot. Well, we all are, to the system. <laughs> Which I did posit for some time. Uh, Turing test, we gotta, we gotta run that with you after oh, the podcast shit. is done. <laughs> Not again. Um, but yeah, no, I, she, you want to talk about Nelson Mandela, uh, fucking... <laughs> when they get to when they get to Kessel, where where the uh, I almost called it vibranium, but it's <laughs> the hyper. I called it vibranium the whole fucking movie. By the uh, way, so, so unobtainium. Good. Yeah, unobtainium. That's another good one. Uh, when they get there and they go through their whole thing, um, and L three three seven kind of enlists the help of some of the droids there by removing their restraining bolts, which was kind of another nod to Star Wars: The Motion Picture. Um, and then they all fucking go buck wild, and not only do all the droids get freed, but then all of the prisoners on the whole planet get freed too. And I thought that was fucking hilarious because um, it just took Created something a great distraction. Right, right. It took something that was like a you know kind of a this plan. It it was like Return of the Jedi esque. It's like this plan makes no sense. This plan is not going to work. And then more and more shit kept happening. And then in the end, it ended up ultimately working. And then it was kind of like, yep, just how we planned it. Which is like, no, there's no, you didn't plan for any of this <laughs> it's shit. What the fucking Kanto bite scene should have been. Right. The The plan was that they were going to go in and pretend to be, um, you know, trading the slaves, which I also thought was kind of just a dumb move. It's like, you're going to trade slaves for what? Okay, whatever. And then they were supposed to take over the control room, you know. I did like that security outfit that Woody Harrelson had on. Yeah, it was good. That that was definitely a that was a more overt nod um, to Star Wars fans than anything. Um, Uh Eth, you you recognize that, right? That one I did recognize. Okay, yeah, that's Um, the that's the level of fan I am. Right. Oh, and you know, I also thought it was pretty cool that they um, that they let Kira wear a cape. I thought that Hell was, yeah. I thought it was a, like a neat idea. It's just like, how are we going to give her a cool costume? Oh, let's just put her in a fucking cape. So that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, that whole scene. And then Chewie getting to help save some other, uh, Wookiees was pretty cool. Um, all that stuff was, was, was pretty neat. But then that was my favorite was, part. Was it just me or did Chewie look like the most evolved Wookiee? <laughs> well, the best uh, you know they're slaves, Scott. They're and ragged. What does that mean? Is also yeah. What are you trying to say, Frank? <laughs> so I'm saying that Chewie, um, and you know, now, now I, te- I guess this is technically canon too. Chewie had been eating people, um, so he was well fed. Uh, he was just covered in <laughs> dirt and mud and stuff. But you know, the prisoners on the spice mines of Kessel, I'm sure, are not being fed that well. Definitely not humans, they- at the very least. They just needed to shower with Han Solo, and everything would be good. Right. <laughs> oh, but Chewie, we got—we finally got. Well, kind of. We finally got to see Chewie tear off somebody's arms. 
Yeah, that I, I also got that reference, so I'm two points for me. Yeah. You're, you're killing it, Ethan. You're doing it. You're Star Warsing. Um, Star Wars. The, the scene where, yeah, after they release the Wookiees and then Chewbacca, like, puts his head against the other Wookiee. Ah, uh was definitely so the most sweet. emotional part of the movie. <laughs> yes, 100%. And it was it one of those made... things where, like, me, um, you know, always having to have everything linked, I'm like, wait, is this, like, Chewie's wife? I'm like, no, it's probably just another fucking, you know, it's kind of like when you, uh, wait, hold on, I forgot, none of you are brown. Um, <laughs> uh, when you see a fellow brown person and you did the brown person <laughs> nod, um, that's, it's kind of the same thing. Sorry, that 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 <laughs> reference is not going to hit that well. I have a uh, white people have to that out. You just do it to everybody. <laughs> you, you do the the white people uh, crisp handshake. It's kind of yeah. like how you do and that. The, how you guys do that thing on the um, the little like up, so. the little half smile, <laughs> the creepy half smile that white people do to each other. Right, the the half smile and then look back down at the ground or your phone. Yep, I did yeah. the phone thing. Yep, that's the yeah, that's that's the that's the same thing as the uh, the Wookie uh, forehead touch. Well, I, I think you're right that that was the, maybe the most emotional scene of the movie. Totally. But I also I also like the little one where um, Han was translating for, for Chewie and he said, I you know, I don't know what he said. He either said family or tribe. Right. And then and then Beckett was like, well, what's the difference? Yeah, right. I like that. I like that a lot. It's right. like, oh. I don't really know what how that played. I was I was expecting that to be a lot bigger point of right. emphasis somehow. I'm not really sure how that played into the rest of the movie but it was a good line right for sure i guess uh, it I plays into chewie's I, I kind of read it as like that it's like an old man and he was like just saying wise old man things <laughs> <laughs> he's wise the obi-wan um but yeah so we do get the uh sadly um it was a short-lived awesomeness of l337 who gets uh gunned down in her prime uh Wait. well so that then this becomes a pretty emotional scene with with Lando. Right. Which is um either enhanced or made weirder by the fact that they made the sex joke not too long before this. Um but yeah, the the fact that Lando who seems to really legitimately only care about himself. Um not only do we know this from this movie but from other movies as well. Um ultimately loses his shit when he sees her get shot and runs out into a battlefield very uncharacteristically to try and save her. Another, uh, what, what was that phrase I just learned? Fridge moment? <laughs> yeah, they, they fridged L337. They fridged L337. They, they have to do that to every male did, character, I guess. Yep. They, yep. I guess I didn't even think about that. Yeah. yeah, but they kind of didn't because of what happened yeah. to her. Take, take that, idiots that say that Star Wars is only about women. Star Wars obviously hates women because it keeps killing them constantly. <laughs> And then turning their brains into ships, right? And um, the only they have to make sure that the female robot has the fattest ass of all the robots. <laughs> thick, <laughs> thicker than a snicker. Yeah, she was, yeah. Too, she was very awkwardly thick. <laughs> right. Well, so uncomfortable. So uh, Some what's, what's like her name? That. Phoebe Phoebe Waller Cates is that her name? I think. Yeah. Sure. Um. So the way that they did the motion capture for her was literally. She was walking around in a green suit with like the headpiece and some of the other pieces of armor on her. So she was, you know, there in reality. So she was accurately thick. 
Oh, I gotta look this <laughs> this actress up. <laughs> Accurate, like thick with two C's, Ethan. She was she was killing it. The only way to spell shit up right now. Um, but yeah, so take a five she, minute break to Google this actress. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, intermission, little intermission theme plays right here. Um, but yeah, so they, but yeah, that led to one of the definitely one of the super fanboy scenes for me with Han and Lando shooting their blasters side by side out in front of the Falcon. That mm. was that was pretty cool. I dug that a whole lot. Yeah, and they had the I don't know if it was supposed to be a, a homage, but Han or Han backing up into the Millennium Falcon shooting oh, yeah. his blaster. That's like from right. A New Hope, right? Right. Or one of them. It's uh Ethan I'm sorry. What, on this what podcast, we say either Star Wars or Star Wars the Motion Picture, not A New Hope. Star Wars Episode Four. God, I hate you. <laughs> I hate your guts. I hate your guts. Um, but yeah, no, that shot was cool, and I liked that they kind of made that a semi-continuous shot where they actually followed him up into it. Uh, I mm-hmm. thought that was pretty neat. Um, but yeah, so they have the unobtainium. They got it on the ship. <laughs> They're uh, getting ready to fly off. They've got L337 in pieces and all that. And we, we just kind of skipped this part, but when they were coming in to Kessel, they had to go through um, like kind of a like space storm, essentially. And they like mentioned Geekstrom. that. That's oh, right. How about that? Um, and they mentioned that, you know, it's kind of very difficult to navigate, so on and so on. So when Han is going out, the whole like kind of impetus for. The, the escape the way that it is is the uh, vibranium is super unstable and will <laughs> explode so if they take the normal route it's going to take them roughly 20 parsecs uh, to get out of there and if they are traveling that distance in that amount of time everything will explode everyone will die whatever whatever so Han being Han trying to show off his flyboy skills it's like I'm pretty sure we can find a quicker route and this, mm. and I gotta say this, and I'm cool with it because the whole sequence is neat. They pull it off really well. It's exciting. You know, we see the Star Destroyer, which is cool. We get to see some TIE Fighters, which is always awesome. We get to see some weird Cthulhu monster, which is kind of out of nowhere, but still pretty neat to see. But, in all honesty, guys, this was... 40 to 50 years almost in the making of trying to retcon a weirdly phrased line Mm. from Star Wars. It's the ship that made the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs. And then every nerd with a physics degree was like, parsecs is a measure of distance, not time. And so they fixed it. So you're welcome, nerds, I guess. I don't really know how they fixed it. All right, so think about it this way, Ethan. <laughs> um, to get the Kessel Run is getting from Kessel through the Geekstrom uh-huh. with, yeah. a little, with a little C in the circle Geekstrom around it. Maelstrom. Yeah, how about that? Um, so that's the Kessel Run. It's getting from Kessel out of Kessel, basically. The normal route is a longer distance mm. because of because of the storm. Because oh, the, so he, he cut through the storm and cut off the distance. Right. So it's kind of like, um, you know, uh, like imagine someone's going down a hill 
like in a ski competition and they are able to get down in a faster time but the reason that they get down in a faster time is because they take a shorter route mm, so, which would dis- disqualify them but okay well yeah if it we'll say it's a freestyle ethan not like a so, slalom or some shit like that. God, so it's like the I it's like saying slalom. I ran a hundred meters and and twenty meters. <laughs> well, so think about it this way. That's Scott. exactly it. So if you're if you have to run around a building to get from one corner to the opposite corner, and that takes you X amount of time, and you have to go that distance, or you just went straight through the building somehow. There no, you go. I get it. Yeah. I get it, but it still it still makes that a stupid line. Oh, it's 100% make... a stupid line. Yeah, it has nothing it's... to do with the speed of the ship, which is what the right. line is supposed to mean. Right, right. I'm, t- I'm just telling you that that was the intent of the whole sequence. It was yeah. not about showing the Kessel Run. It was about fixing the Parsec line. It's really fun that they keep making these movies just to uh, fill the holes of the right. original trilogy. Oh. <laughs> and not even millions of dollars. Not like even the stories themselves, but like throwaway lines from right. characters. It's like, oh, that was during the Clone Wars. And not only did we get an entire movie about that, but then we also got an entire animated series about it. So mm. One of which uh, was good. Those, but the animated series is actually baller. So that yeah. works the, out. Uh, the prequels? Oh. <laughs> and I, I I liked the Kessel Run sequence. Like oh yeah, you said it was cool. You got the Star Destroyer there, so you you know you're not going straight. You got the added pressure of the the shit's gonna blow up right here in in ten minutes or whatever. And then, like you said, you got this giant Cthulhu octopus squid right. monster, or whatever, and a black hole on top of it, right, or whatever that was. And yep. we get to uh, see uh, Chewie and Han flying together for the first time. Um, we get the uh, line that they wish they hadn't had in the trailer because I actually thought it was really funny. I still thought it was funny in the movie, but it lost some of the sting when he was like, you're 190? You look great. And I thought that was pretty funny, but I th- I would have thought it was funnier if I had heard it for the first time in the movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, that's... Oh, that's I, sorry, I um, kind of back to more about Chewie and like his backstory. Is, isn't he supposed to be like a general on... His planet or whatever. He was at one point, but then they all got enslaved. Well, I kind of wish the line was more... I mean, obviously, I guess it's for the joke, but... I wish that they'd played more up that, like... No, Chewie was, like, a big deal on his planet. Like, he knows how to fly a spaceship because he's a friggin', like, five-star general. Not just because he's, like, old. Yeah. Which doesn't really make any sense. (laughs) Right. Because Chewie is kind of, like, the last piece of Star Wars that we don't really know his backstory very well. Which makes it, like, still, like... You know, we'll precious find out in metal. Three months when I make another movie. <laughs> yeah, that's sure. true. <laughs> yeah, the, the Chewy standalone. I'd watch the shit out of that. Though. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that's Isn't that just the Christmas story? <laughs> no, we're not, no. Christmas in the Star is, is not Chewbacca related. Oh boy, Dad Fuzzy or something. Life Day, Life Day. No, but um, I liked I liked that Chewbacca. Itchy, Itchy is his son. He has a son named Itchy. According oh, that's to right. The, Itchy and Scratchy. Uh, the Star Wars. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Itchy and Scratchy. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, so yeah. Um, anyway, some some other stuff happens. There's some fight scenes. Um, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. another throwaway line from Kira about her being trained in Terrace Kasi, which um, gamers will know 
was a Star Wars uh, fighting game, I think for like the Nintendo 64, which was garbage. Um, <laughs> so the fact that they, that they mentioned that was, uh, was pretty interesting. Um, the gang gets back. They try and drop off the unobtainium there. Uh, there's a there's a double cross, but it turns out that the kind of bad dudes from the train heist earlier are actually the good guys, and there's a double cross situation going on. Blah blah, all this stuff happens. It's which sorry, but about the uh, infant's nest, whatever that name was, which was a yeah. weird name. Uh, like, why didn't I guess it's supposed to be that they have been terrorizing. Uh, uh, Woody Harrelson and his marauding crew, but like, right. why didn't they ever just kind of like talk to them? Right, I don't know. It seemed right. like they I mean, they came to agreement very quickly once they just spoke to each other. Well, I think well, because like the the people in that line of work are very shoot first, ask later, and well, and they trust. shoot them later then. <laughs> well, it also seems like um, Beckett's crew was very much in line with the the Crimson Dawn folks, and. The Crimson Dawn folks were, you know, the sworn enemies of the Infus, Infus Nest or whatever. Um, so, like, the Infus Nest folks were not a syndicate or anything like that, which is basically Beckett, Crimson Dawn, and the Pikes or whatever. Um, so, yeah, that I think that was kind of it. They, they didn't really uh, elaborate on that too much. They kind of used it for an emotional crutch towards the end to kind of you know lay the foundation for Han having a a soft spot for any kind of rebellion folks um but hey we got to see Warwick Davis again hello Warwick yeah. Davis sighting yeah uh, you know what's great about that uh only the second time in Star Wars history where we've seen Warwick Davis and actually seen his face and he's the same character that he is in the Phantom Menace Oh wow! It's like we see a theme of people from the Phantom Menace in this movie. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So before we get to that reveal, um, you guys have anything from like the last twenty minutes of the movie that really spoke to you? Because it kind of just wrapped up, you know. Just kind of, you know. Besides, like them getting meeting back up with Lando in the end, which was like a pretty good way to end the movie. Um, but beyond that, like, did you guys, like, did anything in the last part speak to you, really? Besides the reveal? Besides the reveal. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, the, the meeting, the meeting with Lando, I liked the, the threats of Chewie, uh, ripping his arms off or right. attacking Lando, whatever. I thought, uh, you know, that's classic Han and Chewie. Right. Uh, no, I got nothing. Got nothing? Yeah, just yeah. kind of, it, it was funny, like you were saying... Han shot first. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was that another, was like, you know, sight gag almost at that point. Um, did you guys have anyone in your theater that actually said it? No. Uh, thank you. No, was a, fully it was no. so annoying. Yeah, yeah, there was a guy in, in my fucking theater It's like, Han shot first! I was like, oh, oh wow, I guess he was going oh, boy. God, someone beat if him I go up. to see it again, I know what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> um, That's gotta well, hurt. Yeah. Well, it, it was it was interesting. Like, this movie had like a like it didn't have pacing issues, but it had pacing irregularities. Like, it definitely the movie itself never felt long, but there were, it, it it felt like it was rushing, 
but it also made sense that it was rushing to me. Does that does that seem like a fair assessment to you guys? Well, no, I, I kind of agree because like it it felt like there was. I've seen this comparison before, but the checklist where they're like, okay, Han backs up, like his story check, his name check, him meeting Chewbacca check, and like you're like, all right, let's like, keep it going. Right, right. But it like it didn't feel that long, so right. Like yeah. I felt like I wasn't missing. Uh, I don't want to say I wasn't missing anything, but like it felt like it was paced well enough so that you didn't feel any dragging parts and then there were frustrating parts though like which we'll get to that later because it has to do with reveal yeah oh yeah i think a lot of people are crediting ron howard with uh like nailing the pacing right and i i think i'd agree with that other than i mean i think the first part was rushed but that's kind of i guess the standard for movies like this Right, you kind of just like get that opening scene out of the way to get mm-hmm. the guys moving. Um, the end, in I don't know, it kind of like as I play it back in my head, it feels rushed. I didn't, I didn't feel too rushed in the in the moment though. Right, it it was definitely like um, they wanted to wrap it up as neatly as possible, and to kind of collect all of the threads and yeah, bind but, them together. But they didn't was. Well, yeah, yeah. So they they left some stuff open, but like, you know, kind of trying to keep in mind, and also considering that even though this movie is called Solo, I think we spent the least amount of time talking about Han Solo. Um, the wrap up was for his plot line and his story, um, more so than anything else. I mean, and in, to an extent, there's still yeah. a lot like that they could do with just Han. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. But, I mean, just for this movie itself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What were you saying, Eth? Oh, I was just going to say, in terms of the plot, I do feel like this is maybe the only Star Wars movie where, while I'm watching it, I was actually able to keep track of everyone's motivation and what's happening. (laughs) So it was, like, the simplest plot, which was kind of refreshing. Yeah. Usually, like, I have to read it later and be like, oh, that's why this guy did that. Oh, right. well, that's why Rose and them are on Canto Bite. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, all right, cool. All right, so, Scott. Yes. Did you, and this is a question, this will be the same question for all of you, but did any of you know that Darth Maul was going to be in this movie? Nope. I'd... Had anyone heard anything like any inkling or anything like that? Um, I, heard I, 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 I had no I idea like, okay. at all. I was com- I was completely shocked. I was not expecting it at all. I was shocked, but I also didn't realize the timeline, so I didn't realize that he was supposed to be dead. So I was like, "Oh, Darth Maul. Okay, cool." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll agree with that statement. I kind of left the theater thinking, like, "Okay, where where does this fall in?" Right in the overall timeline of things. Right. Mm-hmm. Is that a is that a question that you would like answered? Well, I I think it still falls between the two trilogies. Yes. Uh, but you know, it did have me questioning things, and then you know, I was kind of thinking Han's probably ten or fifteen years older than Luke. Right. Uh, so I'm you know I'm doing the math in my head trying to figure <laughs> figure out where <laughs> I, I thought it was. Life. I thought it was like. 
It was definitely after episode three, I think. Right, right. It's after three and pre. Yeah. Like, um, pre Rogue One. Yeah. Right, but right. Rogue One, Rogue One was immediately before. Right. Star Wars: The Motion Picture. Right. Yeah. So, but the like, um, Solo is kind of like the bridge between. Well, it would be like. Right. Solo would be closer to. Closer would, to Episode Three. Right. No, no, the other way around. So this is getting um, into like Fast and Furious timeline territory. Right, 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 right. Tokyo Drift is the you know <laughs> the last uh, one, uh, a sequel, one. not a prequel. Blah blah, yeah. all this stuff. No. So uh, this is what happens. Essentially, uh, we all know Darth Maul gets chopped in half, um, falls down the shaft in uh, Phantom Menace, um, and then essentially Lieutenant in Dan, you got new legs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, he does get new legs. He gets spider legs. Um, I, yeah, so I don't think bet- they're doing that. In right, show. I hope they don't. Um, in between, it didn't look like it. Right, in between um, two and three is when Maul kind of resurfaces and kind of he's like this insane guy with his horns are all grown out and he's got spider legs and whatever. And then he essentially kind of reclaims his sanity and gets regular man legs, not spider legs anymore. Um, Magic and he layers. tries to kind of, yeah, he tries to kind of uh, work his way back into the Sith, uh, but it doesn't really work out too well. So he instead decides to become kind of a gangster. Yeah, like a like a crime boss, um, with the intention of like you know undermining the Empire because he hates Sidious and whatnot. Um, so that's kind of where we're at here. So um, in the Rebels show. The second animated show that's after um, the Clone Wars TV show, uh, Maul has a much bigger presence, um, but it's more of a force-related storyline and less of a uh, gangster storyline. And then ultimately meets his actual death at the hands of our friend Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, so yeah, so it's definitely, and that's literally right before Rogue One, which, as we know, is right before. Star Wars, uh, so it's definitely somewhere in that gap. Definitely after so, three, closer to four, but not quite up against four. You think that's something that they would explore in a Obi Wan movie? Or well, I, maybe because it's been done. It's it's possible, but I don't think that they the one of if you're a fan of Rebels, uh, that's that episode which is called Twin Sons is like one of the most revered episodes in the entire series. So I don't think that they would do anything to undermine the, you know, the level that that got fans to. Um, But what Anthony and I were talking about is like, I think that especially with Kira kind of um, yachting off into the sunset and there being a Darth Maul uh, there as kind of this figurehead, um, I wouldn't be surprised and I'd actually be super stoked to see kind of a, uh, you know, scum and villainy side of star wars like a crime based movie or darth a series or something like well darth maul would be cool but even if it was just like the syndicates and doing all of their shit like you know the huts and the pikes and crimson mm-hmm. dawn and conja club and all that stuff like that would be i think that would be pretty neat um but i don't know it, i never be... borrowed money from conja club right oh, those, we're gonna those find little out. freaks i don't know uh, what so any yeah. that means <laughs> <laughs> you I'm know the star wars club. fan no, I'm the Star Con- Wars fan. Conjure Club is that. the raid guys that were in The Force Awakens. For like three the witch- minutes, yeah. The witch guys? The the guys from the raid? 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's Conjure Club. Mm, conjugal yeah. visits. That's where they get the <laughs> there name. you go. He's back. Ethan's back. He's <laughs> back in it now. Oh, I'm awake. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I definitely wasn't expecting Darth Maul, and I was 100 percent um, bummed when they had him ignite his lightsaber. So I was like, I thought <laughs> we were no going to get a lightsaberless movie, but I guess not. Yeah, I, uh, Paul Bettany kind of had tiny lightsabers. Right. Yeah, those are actually uh, really similar to what the um, Imperial Guard was wearing, or, or not Imperial, but what, the whatever Guard was using in um, Snoke's uh, chambers in The Last Jedi. Yeah, I kind of uh, didn't like that together. they had that, though. Like, it just looked kind of dumb to me. I'm like, oh, a lightsaber, because it's Star Wars, so okay. <laughs> Like, I would have right. liked, I don't know, like, I would have liked them to not have to have it. I mean, right. it was cool for what it was. Like, not like it's, like, going to ruin the movie, but I was still kind of like, right. oh, this well, is what we're doing. Well, um, another thing, you know, because people, even the people that, you know, run Star Wars care about this, like, him having that specific lightsaber puts it in a specific time frame so people can kind of guesstimate what it is, you know, because they, all they want is fans to continue to speculate about this stuff, so... They've got basically free advertising for however much oh, time yeah, between this true. and the next movie. Yeah, um, but yeah. So that's Solo. What do you guys think overall? Still happy about it after having all these conversations? Feel better? Feel worse? Feel about this. I want to see it again now. Yeah, I, I, I do. I, 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 I want to see it again too, because I want to be the one that goes on shot first. <laughs> yeah, I want to watch it again after I watch Rogue One. <laughs> like, I want to watch them both side by side. Did you say you felt worse? No, I only feel worse because I'm looking at this beer I'm drinking now and it's expired. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't even know beer's That's expired. That's what you get for drinking the devil's juice. <laughs> oh, man. You should have <laughs> um, drunk your sparkling lemonade like I did. Right. Um, okay, toast. so now uh, we're going to dip into the Geekstrom Maelstrom. This is just kind of a catch-all. Scott, this is just some bullshit, basically. Uh, I play the... Like the Price is Right theme, and we talk about some stuff. It's whatever. Let's um, uh, Kessel run through these. Ho ho! Look at that guy. Oh, um, he's back. He's back <laughs> in rare form. So we got a shit ton of Star Wars stuff that's on the horizon. We got an Obi Wan movie. We got a Boba Fett movie. We got a John Favreau TV show. We got a Ryan Johnson trilogy. We've got a uh, TV show coming from the Game of Thrones guys. That's, got, a, that's a TV what, show? Favreau I think that's another show. I think it was supposed to be a trilogy, actually. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think that's a trilogy. Um, John Favreau is doing the TV series. Right. Then we got a possible Lando movie because he's getting a lot of love. Uh, we've got uh, the Star Wars Resistance animated show that's supposed to be coming out from the same guy that did the uh, Clone Wars and Rebels. So well, we got a lot of Star Wars. There's a lot of Star Wars on the guy. horizon there. Yeah, this Han Solo guy says he signed up for more movies too, so I don't know what that means. I think, right. which you know, Maybe which could be, be anything Atlanta. from. I think it could more, just be yeah, him exactly. moving into other movies, like right, or doing or doing voiceover work too. Voice voice stuff counts as well. So, oh. yeah. So out of those things, um, what it, what are each of you most excited for? Uh, Resistance, for sure. Boo. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, okay. is the John Favreau show like his character from the movie? Cause... No, no, no. He's direct. He's oh, okay. I was gonna yeah. say like, 
That's no, I'm, I'm a hard pass on that. Right. But that one's definitely mind. the most uh, interesting to me. Not right. like that I'm excited to see it, just... What is it going to be? Yeah, exactly. Because it's right. live action, too. Right, right. So that's interesting. <laughs> yep. What Do about you, know Scott? Where it's... Oh, sorry. I have no... I literally have... I wish I knew some information yeah, I don't think so I could start out. to speculate, but I've got nothing. I'm... If I had to guess, I would think that it's on Coruscant. That would be my guess. I have no idea. No, I meant what's like what TV channel is it going to be on? Oh, I don't know. Hopefully, some so hopefully something where we can see some boobs. No, it'll be Disney's <laughs> yeah, streaming service. Happen. Yeah, it'll it'll, <laughs> it'll Disney, probably be like when Disney launches their like Netflix thing. It's going to all be yeah. on there. Fuck, you're right. Yeah. Damn, I'm going to have to buy that now. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna have to do it anyway for all the Pixar stuff. Don't be a fool. You I've know, seen them all. You know, yeah, you know, it's, it's like I'm like, you're oh, right. I'm no, you're so right. much money by like <laughs> you're right, you're getting right. streaming, and I'm like, okay, right. I've got 17 streaming services, so never right, mind. that's how they get you, right? Yeah, uh, that's how I'm watching Seinfeld, so I can't really complain. Um, Scott, what do you got? Uh, I'll be interested. Uh, well, honestly, I'll be interested in all of it. I'll watch it all. Right. Um, but uh, I think Obi Wan movie is going to be cool. I I, I want to see uh, Boba Fett as well. Uh, I like I like to give my buddy shit about Boba Fett, uh, saying he died like a pussy in the Starlight <laughs> Pit, uh, <laughs> and he comes. You know, he's not dead. You know, nah, he's <laughs> so I, I he, he's that's a cool character. I think they could do some stuff with. Um, but uh, you know, either of those two movies, I think will be what yeah, I'm looking forward to the most. I, Obviously, the saga ones. Right, but right. I guess that, that, yeah, that that, that goes count. without saying, you know. But uh, I, you know, I think one of the things that people universally can agree on is that Ewan McGregor was probably the best part of the prequels because he actually gave a damn. It seemed like, and well, you know, Qui-Gon, was you know a you know a good actor with a very shitty material. Uh, so right, if they brought him back, I would be. I, I, oh yeah, I would be totally fine with that. Right. I think everyone would. Right. Just, Bring back Qui Gon, old, old Ewan. Yeah, more Liam Neeson, guys. Woo! He was the best. Yeah. What about you, uh, Eth? Uh, well, yeah, it's the John Favreau thing is definitely most interesting, but I feel like the Ryan Johnson trilogy, mm-hmm. um, is probably gonna turn out to be the best work. Right. Right. Because we did a pot on Last Jedi, did we? Did we not? No, I've, we did. I, we did. Yeah, we did. Yeah. I think I don't remember. Okay, we I feel like we definitely did because we definitely talked about it for. That would like, yeah, I would assume that that's was the one before Mike. this one. So that shows how long it's been since we've done a podcast. <laughs> but anyway, I mean that was uh, obviously a divisive, uh, divisive, whatever how you want to pronounce that word. Right. Um, but had the, the highest highs, I think, of any of the Star Wars. Oh yeah. Movies. So oh yeah. Entire trilogy. I feel like he can kind of work out the kinks. And right. it'll probably turn out to be the best work. Right. And I think, you know, especially considering that he'll be free of the Skywalkers, which I think is, you know, as much as it's interesting to always go back to those stories and stuff, it does become, you know, a degree of difficulty. So a just, burden. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think that would definitely be something that I would be most interested in. Um, I, I, would, I would have to go, me personally, definitely Obi-Wan. Uh, the animated series because I think that the, all of the other ones have been so great and um, I think um, depending on where the TV show lands 
will be really interesting. I'm sure, like Anthony said, it's going to be on the Disney streaming. Um, but, you know, it'll be interesting. And, you know, if the Game of Thrones guys bring, like, a Game of Thrones approach to a trilogy, like, maybe we'll get our first R-rated Star Wars movie, but I'm not holding my breath. But still, nah, you no know. Way. Hey, yeah, I mean... Yeah, I doubt it. They're, well, they're still I'll, kids' movies at the end of the day. True, true, but all I'm saying is... Sex with robots is one thing, but you're not going to see nudity. <laughs> right. All <laughs> I'm saying is... Um, one of the things that uh, Disney said about their possible purchase of Fox was that if they brought Deadpool in and they made Deadpool movies, that they wouldn't change the way that they make the Deadpool movies. So, who knows? But it is... It is still Star Wars. The Star Wars has never had anything that R-rated, so who knows. Um, but changing gears, there's going to be a Sonic movie, guys. Sonic what? the Hedgehog. Wow, that's a great. Oh, and yeah, and guess it. what? Guess what? There's going to be a wise cracking cop voiced by Paul Rudd. Wait, what the fuck? Wait a second. I like this Paul is... Rudd. What's he doing? Right. right. What are you doing, this, this is, this, Scott, this is what happened This is a dream you had, Frankie. This isn't real. No, I, I thought it was some bullshit, and I, I did as much fact-checking as I could do on the internet, and this is like a real thing that's in pre-pre-production right now. And I, I, thought, it... I thought that I was what? losing it. I really thought I was losing it. I'm hoping it's a what, hoax. What style I'm, is it going to be? Is it going to be like the Sonic Mania? I'm hoping YouTube it's like shorts? a kind of a, um, a Who Framed Roger Rabbit situation. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> oh, absolutely yeah, not going be down. down with it. <laughs> I can't. I can't even believe that. Like, even if I don't know. I hope it's a joke. I hope it's a hoax. Um, I love Sonic the Hedgehog, but I I don't have I don't have good feelings. Why would they ever make a movie? Wasn't the cartoon show pretty good, or am I thinking of Phoenix Yeah, with, with Jaleel White? Hell yeah. Fucking Urkel as Sonic? It was great. Yeah, That's and right. they tell you Sonic says at the end. They give right. you like some little tidbits. Yeah, if, some, hey, if, if Sonic if someone, says, be nice to your friends. If someone you don't like or you don't know tries to give you a hug, tell a parent. That's, you know, Sonic oh, says. This is some 2018 woke shit. All right. Right, right. <laughs> but this was the Sonic 90s. Sonic is woke. I'm here for it. They also yeah. were ahead of the right. time with... Uh, Furries. I'm looking at some this of the pictures now. I, th- I think shit. that Sonic might have single-handedly started furries. For, yeah, I mean, some of these, uh, like, it was Alf, that son of a bitch. Curvy. Did you it say Alf? Yeah, it was Alf. <laughs> Alf, like Alf that eats cats? No, the fucking... What was his name? The dude with the fucking pods. Is that his name, Alf? Alf eats cats? <laughs> Oh Wait a second. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> yeah. Off the Wait. Rails. The TV show in the eighties with the aliens. Yeah. Alf. Yeah. He ate cats. Weird animal. He ate thing. cats. Show was yeah, dark. Yeah. The, the puppet, right? Yes. Oh my, oh my god! This is getting the dark. alien life form. Right. Yeah. It's canon. That's he what ate Alf cats. stands for. Yeah. Sometimes it's, Anthony, you got to understand. Sometimes it's difficult with your accent to tell what you're saying. Listen. Okay. Because you could be saying elf. You could be saying elf. Okay, well, in all honesty. Where I'm from, we say hey, elf. Okay, <laughs> and that's how it comes up. So we'll be like, yeah, that elf. He fucking eats the fucking cats, and that's how. Yep. <laughs> and we Maybe slur, we slur our elf, words a lot. Too. To be fair, I'm sure there is someone that wants to fuck elf. To if we're being honest, I mean, I do. Right. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe eating cats was just a euphemism. Ooh, like, there you go. You know, oh, mm, there you back. go. But I mean, is it really it too difficult sense. to think that they would have a Paul Rudd, you know, team up with Sonic movie? 
When we've got Ryan Reynolds, who's going to be the voice of Detective Pikachu, another movie that they're making. What? You are blowing my mind right now. <laughs> I need, That's what the Maelstrom what? is all about, baby. The, none of these Can this be the happening. same movie and that <laughs> oh, Detective uh, Pikachu and Sonic and Paul Rudd are all partners? Hell yeah. That's like a, that's like a mean, Smash I'd, Brothers thing. I'd watch it. Reluctantly. I love it. Ryan Scott, Reynolds is going to voice Pikachu? This is... Detective Pikachu. This is the darkest timeline. <laughs> so like, we, I thought wait. everyone wanted Devito. We already know that we're in the darkest timeline. <laughs> okay, wait. I'm sorry. Is Detective Pikachu like a talking Pikachu or? Yes. No. Oh my god! What is happening? Yes. He, he Pikachu he's says a, one word and it's Pikachu. Or sometimes if, if I remember if I remember correctly, uh, it is based on a game, uh, the Detective yeah. Pikachu game. Uh, this kid's dad is a cop. That has like a Pikachu friend. The cop either gets kidnapped or killed or some shit. Oh, the kid good. is like trying to um, figure out what happened to his dad, and he meets his dad's Pikachu, which somehow has gained the ability to speak the human language, uh, but also, you know, can speak to other Pokemon. And that's what the game is. You are talking to humans and Pokemon to try and figure out mysteries. So I'm fucking. And I guess also. Detective. Detective Meowth just doesn't sell as well. Right, right. And t- Detective Pikachu is 100% dressed up like Sherlock Holmes. So is this shit canon? Uh, uh, it is, dude. No. It's not. Yep. The director of Goosebumps. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, you, you looked it up, Ethan? Yeah, it's happening. They're shooting yep. it in London in January 2019. Okay, I'm there Googling you go. Detective Pikachu right director now. Director of Goosebumps and Gulliver's Travels and Monsters vs. Aliens. Oh, I'm surprised that um, that Jack Black is not in it then, because well, he was in uh, Gulliver's Travels and Goosebumps. That's true. I'm sure. Oh my, he makes a oh my god! Oh I'm looking it up right He'd be now. He'd a good, be a good Gengar. <laughs> Detective Pikachu, uh, the Wikipedia. Bill Nighy's in this, and Suki Waterhouse, and Ken Watanabe. What is going on? I'm telling you. See, this is what happens. This is why I bring you guys into the Maelstrom. For this, for these type of reactions, All right, we're talking is, about Alf. Yeah, this is we're talking about wild. Ken Watanabe. <laughs> it doesn't get any better than this. If you guys haven't seen, there's a great video online. I don't know what Pikachu movie it is, but there's a movie where he says a few lines at the end. Oh there's yeah, a, there's a video of someone recording it in the theater, and like you hear all the nerds just like lose right. their minds. <laughs> right. It was it was <laughs> like incredible. the most it was the most recent Pokemon movie. I think it came out like last year, and I think it was like a like a reboot of the Pokemon movie series. And yeah, dude, straight up talks. Um, and I couldn't believe that shit. I couldn't believe it. The videos, oh. incredible. Okay, I'm I'm like way wow. deep into this like Detective Pikachu lore now. <laughs> right. uh, Nicole okay. Nicole well, Herman is like one of the people writing it. And she is best known for co-writing Guardians of the Galaxy with James Gunn. How about that? There you go. There you oh go. Oh my god, Detective Pikachu, you are fucking solving my shit. I love it. Boom. Well, you, that agrees there. You you now you now know that there will definitely be a Geekstrom podcast in the future about Detective Pikachu. This is, I'm fucking camping out for Detective Pikachu. I love it. I'm ready now. <laughs> I everything I said before, I take back. All right. Can we make it a double feature with that Sonic movie? I hope least? so. I hope they come out on this in the same weekend. <laughs> oh, I'll I wanna, go one I back to back. Universe. I'll call that. I'll do the. I'll pull the Frankie double feature on that one. That's where I only pay for one ticket, and I just go into two movies because I'm a bad person. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. I thought you got the movie pass. What the yeah. fuck? Well, I have it now, but it, it I yeah. got it for three months as a <laughs> as a uh, what you call it as a gift for Christmas. Yeah, but so it's kind of bullshit. Runs out, I'm gonna have to go back to paying for it like a normal guy. It's kind of bullshit now though, because like they're like, oh, you can only mo- use movie pass for four movies. I'm like, no. Right. Why would I it's invest like, in that? Right. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll we'll wrap it up here. This is, I think we've uh, definitely talked long enough. I'm pretty sure anyone that would have even tried to listen to this is already long gone. So now we're just jacking ourselves off. Nah, the FBI is listening. Oh yeah, they're always listening. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, so uh, I guess we'll say goodbye now, and uh, I'll put everyone's stuff in the in the comments section or whatever. Uh, you can find this on iTunes. I've been meaning to put it on other things, but it's usually just on iTunes. Um, this will be posted up on the Hard Men to Please website, which has gone pretty much dark. Uh, <laughs> e- Ethan is the only one with his uh, wonderful Asterix Art podcast that's been posting anything up there. But as far as articles and shit, man, we haven't been doing anything. No, I haven't, um, written, I haven't written anything. Right. Yeah, we need more um, um, uh, new in theaters, whichever one of you writes that. That's me. Yeah, I should start oh, okay. doing that again. Yeah. And yeah, um, new new asterisks are coming soon. <clears throat> oh, what's that? What's that going to be on? Uh, Cars three. Shut oh up. God! And then inc- shut <laughs> <up>. <laughs> you shut. Up. shut up. Oh, and then Incredibles, and then we finally wrap it up and put it to bed, and uh, never podcast ever again. Until right until the next until out. the next Pixar movie comes out. Maybe we'll see. Right. Uh, I'm I'm gonna throw my hat in the ring to be on the Incredibles one with you guys just to. Uh, just because I want to. Sure. Yeah, take it or leave it. I know <laughs> sure. you. I know you only brought me in for, um, you know, affirmative action for Coco, but, um, you know. No, you're do invited. Do what you got to do. You're invited because uh, you're probably the only other person that's going to watch it opening weekend. <laughs> that's true. That's very, very true. I, I, um, I'm going to go see it. Right. Uh, so yeah, you can you can find Ethan at Asterixar. Uh, Ant, where do you want people to look for you now? Because I know that you have multiple. Oh God, um, yeah, I have too many. Yeah things uh i don't know just fucking play overwatch with me on xbox my gamer tag is dip draw stuff dip draw stuff yep and uh scott really you don't ha- really have anything <laughs> you don't have anything as much as a <laughs> you social have nothing media to live for going. <laughs> hold right. out i got nothing it's not worth right. it that's fine um, i don't want people to find me right so uh uh scott presnell one two three fake street um <laughs> frag and shag two two three right right uh, best best gamer tag ever um, and yes yeah, so we'll say bye bye see you guys adios